Good morning, MLB Pro Universe. I'm here today with the anonymous GM. How are you today? Fantastic Friday. Can never complain about that. Another day into the MLB Pro season, so all is well. How about for you? Yeah, doing well. It's uh, been a while, and you know we have a whole month of baseball to catch up on. With a lot of baseball that's happened, we have a lot of baseball to look forward to. Uh, it's good to have the season back. Yeah, so let's start off by, let me ask you, who do you see as the most surprising teams so far this year for you? Well, let me just quickly go through these divisions and I'll see who I can point out. I'm a little little surprised by, not surprised by Toronto's success because obviously Mitch knows what he's doing, but I think the 20 and 11 start is maybe a couple games better than I expected. Uh, At the same time, I'm a little surprised by the Yankees after last season, what, winning... 50, 60 games uh, to be 13 and 19. I think that's maybe a little bit better than some expected. The central, I think is probably going in line with the way most of us saw it. Uh, The only surprise I I suppose would be Kansas city, a couple games below uh, what a lot of people expected, especially with the addition of Mark Baker. I think there's that, but Minnesota, Detroit, and Detroit being where they are, not surprising. And Cleveland and Chicago being where they are, not that surprising. Maybe Chicago should be a little bit better than expected, actually. Out in the West, uh, not a whole lot surprise. Maybe maybe Oakland a game or two better than some thought. And I mean, it's hard to be disappointed. It, it, if you're Houston, you're still above 500. You're still right there. You're dealing with injuries, but 17 and 14, not bad. Texas, a team that can fight for being 500 by the end of the year. So kind of in line with where they are. And at least I think you got a big one. Uh, Miami, 18 and 14. I doubt many people saw that one coming. The NL Central continues to be the NL Central. Um, Milwaukee and Cincinnati maybe expected one of those to at least be above 500 at this point. But I think we've seen this year year after year recently that the NL Central just – you play 500 ball come uh, September, you're going to be in the thick of it. So, okay. And then uh, the NLS, two big ones. Uh, one that you and John have talked about a lot, Arizona. Uh, the loss of Bryce Harper, the injuries, it's all taken its toll on Arizona to start the year. But obviously, well, we still got five months left in the season, so a long way to go. Uh, and Colorado. Uh, again, a team that gets lost in the shuffle, kind of like the Phillies do in my eyes. Um, Colorado has been really good the last couple of years. So I, I don't know if there's a surprise that they're tied for the division lead. They just, uh, they get overshadowed a little bit by, by the bigger market in LA and the past success of the uh, Diamondbacks, but Colorado shouldn't be too surprised. No, especially with the Dodgers, uh, you know, with their pitching acquisition this, this off season, you know, in Holson, people expected a lot more out of them probably than what they've got so far. Yeah, but at the same, I mean, you bring in Holson, and Holson obviously is as good as it gets, basically. But they did lose uh, Cozart and Markle, uh, who had a long time had been a formidable one and two in L.A. So you bring in one, but you lost two. Uh, So I, I I don't know how big of a. They're still going to be. They're still nineteen and thirteen. Their offense is still decent. Their bullpen's still great. Dennis Moore's been lights out in the ninth. The Dodgers are going to figure things out. They'll be fine. Yeah. And and I think Arizona will figure things out once they get done with some of these injuries. Yeah. I I don't – I'm not as sold on them jumping back into being a 100-win team, even adding Juan Marine, Jeremy Scott right back into things. I think the loss of Bryce Harper – is a bigger deal than maybe expected. Um, Otani definitely will help the corner outfield. You, you got left field and right field hitting eighth and ninth in the lineup basically every day with Rodney Scott, Shiloh Sanders. But Daz Cameron just isn't quite, or at least his start to the year hasn't been what it was uh, a couple years ago. But you look back 2020 at 288. Then 223, 253 the last two years. Um, maybe Daz Cameron had more of a career year in 2020 than some wanted to admit. 
uh, and it's maybe been more, this is more who he is, hitting 220, hitting 240-ish. Um, so I, I'm just not sold on Arizona being the cream of the crop in the NLS this year. No, and with Noah Tangi, I mean, they're at the bottom of the league in almost every pitching category there is. They are adding Orlando Garcia is going to be an interesting addition to the bullpen. Um, they spent big money on Matt Navarez to be their closer this year after not closing a whole lot in L.A. the last few years, more of a setup guy. That transition into the ninth inning hasn't gone as smoothly, I think, as Arizona hoped for. It'll be interesting to see if he sticks there or maybe Garcia supplants him in the ninth. Navarez moves to the eighth, and you have a Manning-Navarez-Garcia, seven, eight, nine. Uh, the other acquisition was Tanner Shepers uh, in free agency, signing him to a $5 million deal. The control just hasn't been there. Neither, neither is the stuff. 19 hits and 10 and two-thirds innings. Needs to figure it out uh, because last year was brilliant. Allowed 32 hits and 65 innings. So right. what's going on there with Shepers? Because if he isn't as good as he – if he can get back to where he was last year, obviously the bullpen becomes um, – Six, seven, eight, nine has a, uh, a pathway, but without Shepherds and with the ninth inning not being quite as solidified as they, I think, expected, question marks in the bullpen. And then you were right, Otani uh, in the rotation. Andrew Morales has been good. Andrew, Andrew, uh, rather Lance McCullers has not. Uh, so, not, not. Yeah, they're they're not out of it by any stretch. But there you go. No, all they have to do is make a wild card spot, right, and then they have a chance. And as we've said, the Central's not winning a wild card spot. Uh, I think you can pencil the Phillies in, Phillies or Braves in for one, but still leaves two two up for grabs. Right, and and have you been surprised about how well the Braves and the Phillies have been playing this year, or that's not a surprise to you? Not really. Uh, how many wins did they have last year? Try to pull this up quickly. Last year, the Braves won. 87, the Phillies won 90. Um, Atlanta has gone to – I mean, you add Bryce Harper, obviously the injury. But just the lineup shaking, getting Taylor Sparks out of the leadoff spot, letting him get back focused on smashing the ball rather than just getting on base has shown his power come back to life. The rotation last year was really good. It's really good again this year. The bullpen's still really good. Uh, Serrano, McCauley, Freed. And the Phillies, I, I've been hammering here the last year and a half that I think they have the best lineup in the National League, potentially in baseball, at least one through five. Um, right. And we're seeing Charlie Harper resurgence after his struggles sophomore season last year. Cam Gundy, I believe, is leading baseball in batting average. Hale, Kamita, Vaughn. Is there a better three, four, five in baseball? I say no. Right. Uh, and Pedro Magan is the best pitcher to so far this season, or one of the best pitchers mm-hmm. this season. They figured out the bullpen. There's still big question marks about the rest of the rotation, but no, I'm not too surprised about where the Phillies stand. Okay, and, and then the Braves, they've kind of got themselves in some financial hardships moving forward. How are they going to get out of that? Well... um, Let's start with the elephant in the room that is Bryce Harper. Right. Does he test free agency again? That contract should never have been signed uh, if you're Harper, but whatever. Does he opt out? I say probably not. But he, but even so, even, so he. What are they going to lose? You're right. They're 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 up against the financial wall, but but they have guys locked in. Uh, right. They're more limited on what they can do, bring in, rather than what they're going to lose. They're going to lose Taylor Sparks. Okay, you got to replace him, and that that is a big deal. But Oyashi's locked up. Harper would be locked up. Otero's locked up. Bueller, McCoy, Aiken, Rivera, Yoshida, Mass, Freed, Sims. I mean, they're not going to lose anyone for a couple of years. So there, there's time to adjust. And as we've seen in this league, even the most untradeable asset finds a way to get traded uh yeah. that now i say that in chicago good luck to trading medicine bumgarner if you do that jabs i'll be impressed 
Uh, but otherwise, <laughs> Atlanta has no one that I think can say that you can look at and say they can't be traded. So there, there are ways out of financial harm. And and if you win a World Series, guess what? Uh, your owner's going to like you. Fans are going to show up, and next thing you know, your budget's going to go up, your media contract goes up, and you're out of a financial hole that many of us predict them to be in. Right. So do you see them trading Taylor Sparks, or do you see them just holding on and going, we're, we're in it for everything, so let's do it? Uh, in my eyes, there's absolutely no reason to trade Taylor Sparks. I I agree. I mean, he's going to probably ask for you know close to $30 million a year if he continues the year he's having now. Uh, yeah, I mean, even, I mean, just, just, just. Uh, what's the absolute worst case? The worst case is you lose Taylor Sparks. You offer him a qualifying offer. He says no. He signs for two hundred million elsewhere, and you get a pick at the end of the first round. Right. But you get, but you get Taylor Sparks through the playoffs. If you're a team who can win a World Series, which the Braves can, you don't trade Taylor Sparks. Mm-hmm. It's it's no different than uh, you were mentioning yesterday in chat, Gary Copeland. Uh, right, and and the thought of Rocky trading Gary Copeland while one of the best teams in the American League, uh, and again, worst case, you get a first round pick out of it. Uh, and while yes, you could get a whole lot for Gary Copeland, uh, you're gonna kill your chances. You're gonna piss your fans off. And to me, again, just my opinion, it would be a grave mistake to see Copeland or Sparks. And frankly, I think it's something that we see a lot of this league, guys, that there, there's nothing wrong with getting that free agent compensation and keeping your fans happy for as long as possible and giving yourself the best chance to win. And that's what Sparks does. All right. So at this early point in the season, I mean, who do you see as the front runners in the National League to make it to the World Series? If I had to put my finger on it today it would be Atlanta their ability to pitch consistently gives them the edge over Philadelphia Uh, and then when you look at the NL West I just I a fully healthy Atlanta Braves team Sparks Oyashi Harper Seven, eight, ninth inning. Jones, Mass, McCauley, Freed. There, there's, there's just too much like there. Bueller, Aiken, pitching game one and game two. I, I think there, the two questions I have in in Atlanta would be the Andy Otero opener experience. Is that still going on, or is he pitching? Yeah, he's still opening for the most part, going two, three, four innings. At yeah. some point, I I, you, I think you need to make a decision. Do you roll with that all season? Do you toss him back into the bullpen and break your promise to him there? Do you hope, hopefully keep him happy and bring in a full-time starter? And then Riley Pint is off to a fantastic start, 3-0. and Lights out last year in the bullpen. Uh, rather, two years ago. He wasn't so lights out last year, 3.91 ERA. Is he someone who can pitch an entire year in the rotation? So there are question marks, but but Pint or Bueller and Aiken rather, and the strength of the bullpen, the strength of the lineup. I, I think Atlanta is the team to beat in the National League, unless, as you said earlier, the Dodgers figure not figure things out, but rather get going. Holson uh, becomes a little more dominant. Evaldi becomes a little more consistent, and then some of the bats come alive beyond Soto, Garcia, McDonald. Uh, Jose Abreu hitting two thirty seven. That need that needs to get better. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the National League so far. Let's move over to the American League. Let's let's look at that AL East that you're talking about in, in Toronto. You know, they're that's the old team, right? And they're producing right now. Well, for one, they're healthy in spots that they haven't really been healthy in the past, or at least key players. We we've seen the uh, reemergence of Claus Bongers. Not only has he been really good to the tune of a 0.75 ERA, but he's pitching a ton of innings again. He's going the route of throw him out there every day, throw him out there for a couple innings, and and let him let him feast on batters. And uh, did he miss the last two seasons or just last year? Just last year. Just last year. Uh, his his return. Uh, 
I think can't be understated. Vinny Pistano, Tejada, the bullpen is back in a place, even without Kimball, where they are lights out. We've seen Kershaw be really good again. And then they can hit. That just hasn't gone away, even even though Josh Wilcox hasn't been great. But but you've got power uh, up and down the lineup, kind of Brownells it, and Pardo's still hitting, Will, uh, Stanton, Winston. Miguel Franco's lost, uh, but the bottom of the lineup sitting, we've, we've seen um, some speed, bottom of the order. It, it's a it's a team that's getting back to what they were in the past. So do you think that they start making some resignings or extensions, or do you think they're going to rebuild after this year? Because they lose like half their team after this year. Well, I would expect – the Jays to be more active in free agency than to re-sign some guys. Um, is there any reason to extend Stanton today? Rather, again, you you don't extend it. Rath, sorry, let me pick up my thought here. There's no reason to re-sign Tim Lincecum. He's hurt. He's 38 years old. Tim Lincecum will be a free agent. Right. I I don't see how you can extend Charles Cutler at 30 at age 36 behind the plate. You already have Pardo at DH uh, under contract for two more years, so I don't think you can ex- extend Cutler. So we freed up thirty-eight million right there. Um, Sean Gilmartin's pitching to the tune of an ERA, I believe, of seven. I don't see how you extend that unless he's not asking for a raise. If you can get him again for twelve to fifteen million dollars for three years, sure, you, I think you maybe take that chance. Uh, and then it, it all comes down to what, what do you do with Stanton? Hitting 260, the power is not not terrible. But, again, Pardo. Pardo has taken up the DH for two years, it seems like. Unless unless you find a way to move him, Stanton's got to stay out in right field. Can he do it for 34, 35, 36, 37? Probably can for the next couple of years. Uh, but maybe he sits in free agency as we see some of these older players. Next thing you know, he's unsigned and he can get him for a cheaper deal. And, and again, worst case you pick up a draft pick for Stanton. So I, I don't expect to see them busy. Do you? I I don't. Not at this stage. Like you said, you know, see how it plays out at the end of the year. You could probably get most of these guys back for, you know, what they're making now or less. The one Stanton, interest- might, be, Stanton might be the only one that gets a raise, and that's only because he has the power, but that's been down the last couple of years. The, the interesting decision would be what you do with Kurosi if he opts out of his player option uh, after the season before free agency. Do you make a run at extending him, especially if he's as good as he has been? And then what you do with Josh Wilcox, because he hasn't been good. But there's right. still a lot to like about Josh Wilcox. And, and a little younger than some of these other players, making less money now than those other players – Josh Wilcox, I think, would maybe be the target number one to extend, I think. Yeah, and the season's young. Wilcox will turn it around at some point in the season, I think. I I, I would tend to agree with that. I, I think hitting in front, hitting in the where in the lineup he is, they haven't lost faith in him. I would expect to see him hit better than the 208 that he's hitting right now. And, and then we got uh Tampa Bay who I actually predicted to win the division this year. And Comey told me I was crazy. They're right there. They're right there. They're, they're right there. There's to me questions about the lineup, the depth. Um, I know they're high on Garrett DeChambeau, but they're getting no production for the most part from five, six, seven, eight, nine in either side of the lineup. Um, the bullpen should be better than it is. Just hasn't been great. The, it We're going to see sooner rather than later the influx of young talent, talented arms that they have uh, between Dan Hughes, Navy Shuler, Brian Chan. They're all ready and all waiting in AAA. So, again, whether it be by trade, whether it be by promotion – whether those guys see in the ro- join the rotation and some of these starters move to the pen, whether some of these bullpen arms that have struggled 
get demoted or moved, Gerald Goodwin, I'm looking at you. There, there's going to be progress and success coming on the mound for the race. Um, and and we, we've seen it, a willingness to make moves, the couple moves Tampa Bay has made. But the, yep. these those three those three names Schuler Hughes and Shannon are really talented. The only question I have, uh, really, is what will we see with Kevin Clancy? Uh, is he a starter? Is they're going to make him a starter again? Should he be a starter? I think maybe the better question is he better suited for the bullpen and some of these other arms. Dan Hughes is a starter. I'm not sold on Brian Chan being a long-term starter and Schuler is a starter. So what, what you do with Brian Chan's a big one. You, you could throw him in and it was set up role today and uh, I think improve your bullpen immensely. Right. So yeah, that's the thing. And then how, how long before he pulls the trigger on bringing one up or two of those young arms up and going You're 19, 19 and 13, your next three are against New York, the Yankees, and you got th- Four more against the Yankees next week. You got three against the Mets the following week, and the Orioles, who have been up and down. You finish the month with the Cubs. You got two options, really. You, you bring up those young arms and you let them get acclimated against teams that really aren't so great, or you're by yourself time because you're playing teams that aren't so great. And you, you can't go wrong with either one of those options, I think. Um, I also it's, wouldn't want to bring all three up at the same time, though. Uh, so maybe I might bring one of them up now, but that that's just my my opinion. Okay, well that's good. Then get it out there. Uh, what about the uh, Baltimore's been struggling this year? Do you see that continuing? You see them turning it around? I mean, their hitters have really struggled. They struggled, but they are still above five hundred. Um, 17 and 14. They just finished sweeping the Royals. That was coming off the heels of splitting four with Detroit. So they they won a a series against Boston earlier. Um, So are they, I I, I don't know, their struggles to me were maybe a little overstated. Now, statistically, you're right. Uh, There are areas where they are not as good as they were last year. The big one being their bullpen. Um, they led all of baseball last year, or they led the American League, rather, with a 2.83 ERA out of the pen last year. They're half a run higher this year, ranking eighth. Their rotation wasn't great last year to begin with. It's not that good this year either. But Wes Clark was dominant last year. He hasn't been quite as good this year. Uh, Rod Cunningham was really good last year hasn't been good this year so it's really the pen and then they were a lot of feast or famine last year eighth and batting average eighth and on base eighth and slugging but they were tied for fourth and home runs and that allowed them success and, and this year you look at them same thing 10th and batting average but sixth and on base since six, sixth on slugging the powers down a tiny bit they then they don't run uh, so are they really struggling I don't know I, I, I would say I, I'm, I'm less – I would not panic quite as much, I think, or I don't know if panic's the right word. I think their lack of success, if you will, is maybe a little overblown. Okay, and the other team in that division, the, the Red Sox, who started off so hot and now they've really cooled off, do you see any possibility of them getting back in here? I mean, they lost a, a set to Cleveland at the end of April. And just been on, you know, then they lost two out of three to Toronto. Yeah, there's there's one last thing on on Baltimore, yeah, Baltimore oh, rather, that I think is worth mentioning, and it's something that I uh, was staring right at and didn't meant didn't didn't see at the time. Evan Longoria, one thirty five, yeah, MVP last year, one home run. If Evan Longoria gets going, this team's right back where they were last year. If Evan Longoria continues to. I don't know what he's doing, but they would be in a world of hurt if, if that continues. Uh, your question on Boston, 14 and 18, losing some in Cleveland's never good. Uh, 
I don't know what's going on still with their medical staff. Last year, they were a running joke that players couldn't stay healthy. And frankly, that has continued this year. Uh, you look at that injured list, Robert Paulus, John Larson, Scott, Zach Potter, Ken Gary, Jimmy Shaw. Uh, pitcher, 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 pitcher. A torn, torn rotator cuff, a torn elbow, a torn UCL, a torn labrum. Uh, they cannot keep their pitchers healthy. They are not getting anything out of Greg Bird. See, Suzuki hasn't been good. Outside of Dave Allen, Todd Kuhn, there's not a lot of success in Boston this season. And if that continues, it doesn't matter that Garrett, Lock, Garrett Cole has been good. It doesn't matter that Drew Locke has been good. It doesn't matter that Chris Sale has been good. Uh, because there's just not enough offense coming out of that Boston Red Sox lineup. Yeah, so they have some players with decent contracts. You know, Todd Kuhn, still 27. Uh, Chris Sale, who's 34. Garrett Cole, who's 32. I mean, is this the time to to move them while they still have a lot of value, or or what? Or do you keep 14 and 18. Yeah. You got Philly, you got Atlanta, you have St. Louis, Seattle. I mean, it's kind of a make or break month. Uh, Philly, the Braves, the Cardinals, the Angels. So you got a bunch of division leaders. You also have Seattle, Arizona, who I think, again, we're saying will be better come later in the month. Uh, you just lost a couple to division leading Toronto. If you, if, if you are Boston and you do struggle here in May, um, yeah, I, I don't, I struggled with the idea of moving Todd Kuhn. I don't think I would do that, but, but Garrett Cole, Chris Sale, uh, yeah, I, I definitely could see one of them being moved this season, a Garrett Cole player option, Chris Sale signed through 2024, but at 34 years old, you have, they have success and depth in the rotation right now, uh, some good, talented young arms in their farm system. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you make a, a valid case that that they could be a team to watch in in the trade market. All right, let's turn our attention to the central. Uh, like you said at the beginning, not totally unexpected to see the Twins and the Tigers and the Royals in the top three positions, uh, but the Twins. I mean, they're kind of coasting, right? I mean, this team's been built to make this run that they're doing right now. What's the future hold for the Twins? Well, it's it's hard to say the future, is, as you just kind of described, is this year because Martin Lopez, free agent to be, Gary Copeland, free agent to be, Mariano Gonzalez, free agent to be there. There's a lot of not just free agents to be, but cornerstones to a franchise free free agents to be. And it's one thing to lose. You can you can lose a good player, but to lose multiple franchise type players in, in a single offseason could be a concern uh, if you were Rocky. So so win now. And again, they're in position to do so, uh, leading the American League in most offensive categories. Second best starters ERA. The bullpen hasn't been great, but injuries there. Uh, It's a team that's going to get better. Uh, Julian Rivera, Kevin Gossman, Richard Davis, Jimmy Reyes, Rodrigo Espinosa, all on the injury list. Can he point to the Angels and say, look, a couple years ago they lost a few top-notch players, and look where they're at again now. But the Angels, I think, had a much better uh, minor league system than what Minnesota has. The Angels and and Twins are built differently over the past in that when I I think of Minnesota, I think of power. Uh, I I think of of the Lopez, the Copelands, the Adels, you're bringing in cowards. It's always been we're going to smash the ball better than you. I never, you look back at the angels, uh, the, the three players that they lost that come to mind were Cowart, Oyashi and Paulini. Paulini on base machine. They replaced him with Kerr uh, up the middle. Uh, 
a wash. Losing Oyashi, they they shifted to more of a contact approach, and, and we've seen that. The Angels rank, what, 10th in the American League in home runs, 8th in slugging. So it, it's a different approach, whereas Minnesota is going to be tested on their foundational approach of power. Um, and, and it's not to say they can't they can't replace it because they do have some some good pieces in the, in the farm system. Tate Tate Halleck, Isaac Stevenson behind the plate, Brandon Marsha. Uh, their their pieces replace it, but replacing Gary Cope Gary Copeland is on a tier with Armando Cabanas. Are they the two best hitters in in MLB pro history? Uh, I mean, Gary Copeland is the best hitter in MLB pro history. He just is. Uh, can't play a lick of defense, but he's been in the American League, so it really hasn't mattered. Well, now the DH is in the National League, so anybody could sign him, really, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. There will be 30 teams that want Gary Copeland. <laughs> yeah, and what kind of salary is he going to command? I mean, is going to be Bryce Harper, $39 million a year? Yes. That eliminates like two-thirds of the league. How old is he? He's 31? 31. Uh, He'll be yeah, thirty-two yeah. in December. Yeah, yeah, forty million per year for eight years, three hundred, three hundred twenty million. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a lot, especially for a team like the A's who are small market. Uh, Gary Copeland will not be in Oakland next year. No, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he signed a Bryce Harper type of deal where he got paid like five or six million dollars for the one year with an opt out. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, a career, a, a career 325, 437, 560 OPS of basically a thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's you can pencil Gary Copeland in and get get what you want out of him. And as, as we turn our attention to to Detroit, you know, uh, injuries have happened to their pitching staff. I, I know Jim is frustrated by that. Um, but Chris Galise is starting to turn it around over the last few starts. Jim pointed out today in chat, it's amazing what happens when your defense gets better. Uh, yep. We can also talk about Oakland there and the problems of defense can have and frustrations that can lead to GM. Uh, Detroit couldn't field the ball last year, especially up the middle. Detroit can field the ball up the middle this year, and their pitching has gotten better. Uh, color me shocked. The, yeah. the, big, the big one is you pointed out Chris Galise. Uh, Jonathan pointed out last night leads all of baseball in uh, his control, basically walking under 0.4 batters per nine innings while still striking out seven per nine. It's allowed two walks all season so far last year. His FIP was five and a half this year. It's 3.3. The BABIP's down 60 points. Everything is rather the BABIP is, Sorry, that was his season BABIP down 60 points. His BABIP in Detroit from last year is down 120 points. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's how you get better. You pitch to your defense, and Detroit has a defense this year. So that's been good. They have been limiting the number of pitches their pitchers have thrown this year. Matthew Libitor was uh, pulled last night after four and a third innings, striking out eight. He's been really good hopefully going to be fresher as the season goes along for Detroit. Uh, Kyle Cody, same thing with him, limiting his number of pitches, the number of his exposure through three three times through the lineup. Chris Scalise early in the year was pitching really well, but they were leaving him out there for that third, fourth time through, and, and he was struggling in the seventh inning. So a, a change of philosophy a bit there has led to um, improvements and consistency in Detroit, and, and I think something that Jim – planned for, expected, and uh, it's worked. Right. So now what are they going to do with that fifth spot in their rotation right now while they're dealing with injuries? Do you think they're going to bring, like, Kyle, Kyle Mueller into that? We saw or- we saw Kev, uh, Kate Renfro come up um, yesterday with the attempt of pitching in the doubleheader uh, with the manager uh, and general manager – sleeping on his May 2nd start. So there was that. Joey Everts is an option. Kyle Moeller is an option. Um, you look further down, do they do they look at maybe just throwing guys into the bullpen 
as you said, moving Mueller over. Rich Mason has the chance. John Dockus could. Uh, I don't think they would move Jason Groom uh, to the rotation, even though they love throwing in multiple innings. Could could he? Doubtful. Sean Weimer uh, is another option, even though he hasn't had success there in the past. I would I would look at. I think Cade Renfro will be given a chance now that he's been called up, and he would be option one. And then I, I think you're right. Kyle Moeller could be uh, option two. Or option three is to do an opener for that day and rely on your bullpen. They don't have to go too long. Jason Dumont, five days uh, left on his blister. You figure maybe two rehab starts. So he's, what, two weeks away? Mm -hmm. Uh, Two weeks away. Who pitched last night? We just said it was Scalise, was it? No, it was Libertor. So you're at the top of the rotation. Do they have any off days coming up? Uh, they do next Thursday, Thursday and then an off day the following Monday and the following Thursday. So they might yeah. be able to get through the rotation just two more times. So you only need the fifth starter maybe once over the next uh, 15, 13 days, two weeks. Yeah. So we, we could see Jason Dumont maybe uh, Kansas City uh, on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, maybe. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, well, Kansas City. Where do you, I mean, do you expect them to creep back up into the race, or do you think they kind of where they're at? Well, they're they're not out of it. Um, the lineup needs to get better. Um, they finally um, talked, sat down with their manager, and decided that Cody Clemens can't hit third anymore. And, and I expect that to have some improvement on, on Clemens. Uh, the swing is too good to be hitting 192 and continue the struggles of last year. So I, I expect that to get better. But if we if we take a step back and if Addison Reed is an 0-6, blowing save left and right, if, if he saves three of those, uh, they're 17-15, and 15, a game and a half behind Detroit, and we're looking at them a little bit differently than we are today. Right. Uh, they've moved Reed out of that ninth inning role. Joe Kelly's been good there in limited opportunities so far. You you get you fit you fix that, you're all of a sudden a lot better. You're you're just you're not handing losses away like they had been with Reed in the ninth inning. Yeah. So and and the addition of Copeland, which moves Noss down to number two and Bubik down to number three and Mize down to number four. Yeah, you you I mean, had Ryan Copeland. You you got better. Uh, we've seen talk of Kenny Funkhauser as well, who has been really good in the Pacific Coast League. Uh, is the Pacific Coast is Omaha in the Pacific Coast or the other international? Uh, uh, no, Pacific Coast. Yeah, a a hitter's paradise. So for Kenny Funkhauser to be pitching as well as he has, the controls maybe been a little iffy. But again, uh, Pacific Coast umpires, Pacific Coast whatever uh he's close he's very close i think to the fast track to the bigs and next thing you know you add him too to copeland Noust, bubic mize and the rotation is going to be really good really soon yeah which fixes the problem in your bullpen partly too doesn't it i mean they're not gonna have to go as many innings and and yeah ryan Ryan copeland is, is someone who Six and a third in his debut was pitching seventh and in the eighth inning in Chicago. Definitely capable of doing that. Uh, the other starters uh, have shown at times an ability to do, to do that as well. Kanaust, prior to struggling against Baltimore, pitched 13 innings in his previous two starts at Minnesota, at Anaheim, allowed uh, three hits, no earned runs. So more than capable in his own right. Bubik has been better this year after uh, up and down year last year. And I think this is the best we've seen Casey Mize in his young career. Right. Yep. All right. So let's turn our attention to the AL West. The Angels should be no shock to people sitting in front. You know, Seattle's not too far back. I mean, we do have Oakland in there. Houston is playing well. And Texas is playing pretty decent ball, too. Texas is playing good ball, and they have one of my favorite young players waiting really close in Riley Green. Riley Green will make them better immediately. 
uh, in the outfield. Uh, only a matter of time before he comes out, uh, comes up, uh, and they'll they'll be better. The, the division is again uh, as good as it it has been, um, and this the team to me that that as of today that I think has to be feeling best about themselves is Seattle to do this with Gary Griffith hurt, uh, what pitched one start, got injured on his debut, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I One think, start, yeah. four innings, four and a third innings. Yeah. Uh, so you've been without him. Corey Seager had been good and then he got hurt. George Springer's been out all season, I want to say. Most of the season. Uh, uh, no, he played eight, yeah, he played 18 games. Uh, you just got Jason Castro back. You're going to stick him uh, near the top of the lineup, an on-base machine in the past. Cabanas, Castro in front of Machado, McKinley, Lindor. Uh, perhaps the individual surprise of the season has been the success of Ramon Zaragoza. Grand slam last night, hitting 293, showing power again yeah. uh, after struggling in the middle of the White Sox lineup the last couple of years. Corbin Carroll's been good. Um, it, it's a it's a team that, that still um, – it's really good. I mean, there's just yeah. no way to put it. The, 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 the pitching depth just isn't what it has been in the past. You lose Holson – there, there was the impact uh, on the staff, and we've we've seen that struggle and find that fifth starter with Gary Griffith injured. Right, but and they'll find that, and then once they get healthy, they're, I mean, they're dangerous, just like just like Houston is. You know, yeah, Houston was one that we picked. Yeah, uh, and again, kind of like um, who were we talking about earlier, Baltimore. Uh, yeah. Is Houston as good? As they've been in the past, maybe did we expect them to be better? Sure, but they are seventeen and fourteen. It's not, and, and this is with Aaron White going down. Um, it's been with with struggles at the top. Tati sitting sub two hundred. Joey Bart hasn't been good. Darsh Kawhi hasn't been good, and Alex Bregman hasn't been good. Uh, so, despite an offense that I think many expected to be one of the best, and an offense that's twelfth in runs scored and near the bottom in most offensive categories for them to still be 17 and 14, seven and three and one run, one run games. They're kind of right where they would hope to be at this point anyways. Yeah. I mean, they're sitting in a great spot considering how bad they've been struggling all year. And we've seen, uh, sorry, Bill Black be really good again uh, at times, which had was not the case really the last couple of years. The stuff, the stuff appears to be back. Uh, it's kind of his prime. So, well, yeah, we'll get Houston will be fine. Yeah, and we'll get to know a little bit more about them over the next couple of weeks, right? They have they're starting a, a three game set in Seattle, and then they go to the Angels, and then they get a little bit of a break by going to <laughs> Chicago and Chicago, <laughs> right? And then Oakland, and then Milwaukee, and Oakland and Minnesota to finish out the month. So, I mean, they could get well really fast. Yeah, you they they survive this uh, the stretch. They'll they'll again be just fine. I I, I don't think there's any panic in in Houston as of uh, May fifth. No, I don't think so either. So, who do you see right as of right now on on May fifth as the leaders to appear in the World Series for the American League? Uh, as of today, who do I see as the favorite in the American League? That is a good question, and there's so many options. Yeah, today, there are. Yeah. Today, I'm gonna I'm gonna get hate from a certain someone from this, <laughs> uh, but the Minnesota Twins are still the best team in the American League. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 the lineup. You still have Giolito. The bullpen's still really good. They're they're aggressive in the ways that the Angels aren't. That Seattle at times isn't. Still really like Oakland, um, but I, I just can't put them in the same tier as Seattle, L.A., Minnesota, Houston. Uh, Minnesota is going to have that ability, I think, to finish the year potentially with the best record, and that could keep them out of what we saw last year in that first full divisional round meeting of two American League West teams where they take one another out. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be in play again. And 
I think thing, things open up for Minnesota again. And, and to be clear, last year I thought there was a a big gap between Minnesota and Detroit. I, I, I hammered that all season. There was a gap. The gap is much smaller this year. So, so this is not hating on Detroit. I think Detroit is a very good team. I just think Minnesota is better. Well, and Detroit right now is dealing with all those injuries. But again, so is Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota's been without their starting first baseman much of the year. The rotation, you bring in Gossman's going to um, ground ball pitcher, bullpen, Rivera, Reyes. Minnesota's going to get better. And I think we're seeing a lot more parity, right, evenness in, in both the American League and National League this year. I mean, in the American League, there's one, two, three, four, five, six game, six teams within one game of the wild card. What we're seeing, I think, a little bit too, is I need to word this the right way. When a general manager pays attention to their team and is willing to give their youngsters a chance to grow in the big leagues, you see immediate success. When you throw out guys that are career quadruple-A types in the everyday lineup, you're going to get beat around. Um, I look at a team like Cleveland, the addition of Alec Thomas to the outfield this year. Um, a guy who was probably ready much of last year and, and was limited to 100 games. Uh, they get better. Uh, a team like New York. We've seen a willingness to promote and give new opportunity and get rid of guys that frankly had no business playing in the big leagues. They've gotten better. Uh, Texas, again, when they bring up Riley Green, they'll be better. The White Sox at 8-24 eight, eight and 24 are better than 8-24. and 24. They, they should not be as poor as they are either um, because they've got some talented pieces. Uh, and then you look at the National League you, you brought up, Miami's better. Washington's above 500. The Mets, I, 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 I frankly cannot figure out the Mets. 12 and 21. Uh, I don't I don't know how they're 12 and 21. I just, I, I struggle still there. Uh, the Giants, we, we've seen in, in the hands of a general manager that, again, is willing to uh, build. A, we know John knows how to build a team. We saw it happen in Tampa Bay. He's doing the same in San Francisco. All right. Uh, Pittsburgh, as Jonathan has pointed out, is a couple ninth like Kansas City is a couple ninth innings away from being a lot better than they are at ten and twenty two. They they're not a ten and twenty two level team. And then there's the Cubs. Uh, maybe they they deserve a couple minutes here. What's yeah. your take on the Cubs? What's your take on the Cubs? I uh, you know it's hard because you know Justin loves some of his players. Like Jose Felix has been a staple with the Cubs forever. Uh, and now for him to f- realize that I'm not going to win with this group and start trading them off, that's that's a hard decision to make. I mean, I've been through it with Cincinnati and, and at the beginning with Oakland. Uh, you know, you get emotionally attached to some of your players, which makes it a little bit harder to, to trade them off. I, I, for one, am happy to see what he's doing because he's building for the future. I mean, he's being intentional about what he's looking for. So here's my counterpoint a little bit. The Cubs in the beginning of MLB Pro, 80, uh, 69 wins, 85 wins, 69 wins, 92 wins, 72 wins, 85 wins. 85 wins, nearly missed the playoffs. Sell off, you win 53 games. So rebuild one. Mm-hmm. If you're not focused in the minor leagues, I don't care how many players you bring in, you're going to mismanage your players. And this isn't right. a critique of jabs per se, but it is because Dylan Cruz is a really good prospect. And Dylan Cruz sat on the bench to start the year. He's played six games. He, he was just stuck in a, a minus ball, not in a lineup. After spending two years in rookie ball, he hit 315 and he, and he struggled to get a promotion. Um, if you don't pay attention, you bring in, and if every one of these trades is bringing in four and five and five and four and three, and next thing you know, you've got 35 extra guys in your minor <laughs> leagues, 
you better be paying attention to your minor leagues or guys won't be promoted on time. They won't be in the lineup. They're not going to be in the rotation. They're not going to be in the right role. You're going to stunt their development. And next thing you know, you're stuck at winning 65, 70 games. Right. You ha- They had to do what they did with Ryan Copeland. They had to trade Ryan Copeland. So they hit a home run with that deal. Right. Um, yep. The only the only critique that and, and I don't even know if it's a critique because again I I love the deal I love getting Brock Bowers I love the pitching they got there, there, there's nothing about that trade I didn't like the only alternative would have been was there a path with multiple teams to move Copeland without retention and the only reason you do that to free up twenty nine million to potentially use that money to release Madison Bumgarner. Because as, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I don't think you can trade Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, and I you're don't stuck with them for can... one more year because um, you're not going to vest them, right? I mean, you're going to make sure yeah. his option doesn't vest. Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, and they're not winning this year or next year, so maybe you just put up with it. But that the, the, what you do with him is the interesting one because you're just stuck there. Love Copeland. Uh, and then there's the unease I have. So I heard from a National League insider this morning that the next wave of players I would expect to be moved would be Alex Ramirez out of the Cubs bullpen, Ed Harris out of the outfield, and then Jordan Alvarez. I'm fine with moving Alex Ramirez. I, I think that makes plenty of sense. Uh, there's no reason to pay an eighth, ninth inning type uh, reliever in Chicago $10 million a year. Uh, so you move him. Makes perfect sense. The love of love affair of Ed Harris uh, has been reasonable in Chicago. He's, he has been one of the few bright spots over the years. So so I get that. So tough, but again, Eight and a half million next year, two years of arbitration left, 30 years old. You don't want to extend him for six, seven, eight years. I'm fine moving at Harris. The three players to me that I understand they're going to bring a lot of pieces to Chicago, but perhaps you want to slow it down a little bit and see what how the players you have gotten to develop before you move them would be Alvarez, Urias, and Jimenez. Those are the three that, that, from an outsider's perspective, I'm I'm unsure of. Um, again, going to net a lot of pieces, but Jordan, 25 years old, under control, three and a half more seasons. Eloy, under control through 2025. And Urias, under team control through 2027. That's a lot of time between now and their, their ultimate free agency periods. Uh, so I'm intrigued by what Chicago does with those three. Well, and the other thing is, is, and I learned this mistake in, in Cincinnati when I went through my rebuild there, was um, he went and got a lot of pitchers. And you run out of places to pitch them. You know, if they're starters, you got to throw some of them in the bullpen. And then their development gets stunted. So I think it's important for, for Jabs as he moves forward to look and say, okay, Here's, I'm going to identify one or two people and say, this is going to be my third baseman of the future and go after and get pieces like that instead of just going and getting a whole bunch of arms and then not having a place to pitch them. You are, you're also the Chicago Cubs. You're, you're going to lose. I mean, you moved Ryan Copeland. He's off the books. He was going to be off the books after the season anyways. You have Bumgarner not signed for that long. Uh, as you pointed out, doesn't fast, so he's off the books after 2024. You move Alex Ramirez, okay, he's off the books after this season. You don't pay him. He was signed through 2024. Garcia is gone. Ed Harris will be potentially gone. Don Porter's gone after this season. I mean, you're looking at a team that doesn't have a whole lot of money locked up long term. If, if some of these guys do develop, as you would hope they would if you're if you're Chicago, they're going to be in the bigs by 2025, 2026, 2027. Right. The idea of you're going to want some established players in the bigs at that point. Um, If you have a bunch of pitching, it it makes sense to have some offense in the bigs. And again, Jordan Alvarez is 25 years old under team control for three and a half more seasons through 2026. You're paying nobody else. You just saw what 
spending $60 million, $50 million in free agency can get you in Ryan Copeland and Madison Bumgarner? Absolutely nowhere. Right. Uh, are they going to be – Unless, unless the next thing you know, you move Alvarez and you have all this money, do you go sign Gary Copeland? But what does that do for you if you're Chicago? So I would just be careful moving all of these pieces immediately. Jordan Alvarez's trade value today will not be much different than it is in 2025. Or at closer to the deadline when a team gets desperate. Or in the offseason. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of that, and you're talking about the Cubs, do you, I mean, trades are going to happen. Are there anybody you're looking at or any teams that you're looking at other than the Cubs to be either actively buying or selling right now? Selling, um, the Giants will be interesting. Uh, Felipe Amont, Dave Bland, uh, the bullpen pieces there will be players I think teams are going after. Cedric Rutherford, if he can find out how to swing his bat a piece, but I, I don't, that's probably not going to happen. So you're looking at, at bullpen pieces in San Francisco, San Diego. Um, maybe you buy some pieces there. Uh, who's going to be buying? I mean, you're looking at the usual suspects when it comes to buying. Um, what will Toronto find a way to do? Uh, you can always count on them to, to be in the market. Tampa Bay has proven they'll always be in the market. Minnesota, again, uh, my pick to win the American League. I, I think they will be active, especially with the position you, you brought up of all these key players being free agents. Uh, I think Oakland, you have to watch it. Watch if they continue to play as they do, trying to supplant and dethrone the teams that they're chasing down. Will they be active with so many young pieces? It gives them opportunity. The Braves never afraid. Um, the two I think that, that are worthy of watching would be Milwaukee and Cincinnati. St. Louis is leading division, but I don't think anyone's scared of St. Louis. So if you're Milwaukee and Cincinnati, can you can you add the reinforcements to uh, challenge in, in the central. So so those would be the two that I, I would look forward to the most to see what they potentially could come up with. See the the one team that uh, interests me, not just because they're a division rival, but you know, the Angels, I heard that the Angels were actually the only team that approached the Cubs about Copeland with no retention. I mean the Angels are sitting there with a lot of money to spend. Is I mean and then they got to worry about Seattle and Houston down the road. I mean, do you see them being active in the trade market? I heard the same not. thing. I heard the same thing. Um, I think there was a willingness to bring back Copeland, a fan favorite uh, who had success in LA in the past. I, I, I think there is definitely, I think that's definitely true. Um you have two rookies at the bottom of their rotation. Is that something they trust long term in Lowry and Holson? I don't I don't know if they trust them long term. The bullpen, I think, is where the Angels expected it to be. Um, and then kind of as we talked about when, when we talked about what they had lost uh over the last couple of years, it'll be very interesting to see what they do. Uh, because there's room for for a bat. Um yeah. They have they have no power at third. They have no power at short. They have no power in left. Their catching is is terrible, uh, and Austin Tate struggling at second base. You're looking at potentially a top ten prospect call up in Adam Smith. Uh, is he's he's ready? Um, what do you do there? Because because you do have a surplus of guys that are awfully similar in Kerr, Tate, uh, Torres. Torres, and Smith. Uh, and room for only three, and there's no room at DH because you have Hennessy there and, and Josh Bell. Left field, the outfield, center field, Trout's been bad uh, to start the year after inking his extension, but Erstad, uh, I think they, they really like him and his speed in, in the top, so I, I don't see outfield being a, a need. It, it, it's really um, power infield bats if, if one comes available, and, and as you pointed out, Copeland. Uh, but, but was Copeland a one-off? Uh, thinking that maybe you could get him for a little less because you were willing to take on the whole whole deal. Uh, it'll be interesting, right. but you're right. There, there's money to be had, which gives them options. But right. as, as and, you also noted, 
uh, a team that is notorious for not making deals. Right. They have the money that if they wanted to take on a, not that they're going to do it, a bum gardener as a throw in to, you know, to get somebody else. They could, they could do that. Not that they're going to, because Matt's notorious for not doing that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would say just as Rick, Gary Copeland will not be an Oakland A, Madison Bumgarner will not be an <laughs> LA Angel. Uh, not surprised by that. Um, as we, as we approach our, our hour here or there, uh, do you have any last words you want to say or any last comments about the MLB pro season so far? Um, I'm interested in the draft. That's, that's coming up here in a week. Um, the Yankees, the top pick in the draft, uh, a team that, as we talked about in the past, loves offense, loves the homer. Will they go power bat? Uh, but it's a team that has not had pitching that doesn't have much pitching in the minors. Do they go armed? So I'm very interested to see what they do there. Pittsburgh, uh, I believe, picked second in the draft. But we've also been hearing C.J. Abrams' name potentially coming up. How about one more name I'm going to throw out there that, that to me gets lost in the shuffle? Andres Jimenez, um, worthy of a call-up in Pittsburgh. Maybe Andres Jimenez on the way out. Uh, someone did someone take a chance on him? I think Pittsburgh options, and then a series that I just want to throw out there, or two rather. Uh, we've got a good one between Houston and Seattle, and uh, a good rivalry matchup this weekend. Drew in Baltimore heads to Atlanta, hosting hosted by uh, the Braves and Brenton. Looking forward to that battle here over the weekend. Yeah, maybe they'll be together and be able to watch the games together and duke it out a little bit. Uh, definitely. So yeah, the season, the season's off to a good start. Uh, what, what's been your big takeaway so far? Well, my, my big takeaway, you know, like so many others right now is the Arizona Diamondback struggle. And, uh, you know, there seems to be a lot of injuries this year, especially the pitchers. So I'm expecting the starting pitcher market to, to be deep and heavy here shortly. Uh, yeah. I, is there, are there any names in particular that you've, uh, you're keeping your eye on? Not, 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 well, not, not in an Oakland sense, but right. A, right. Uh, well, you know, the only one I, I mean, Urias in the, in Chicago will be an interesting, you know, if Jabs decides to trade him, what can he get for him at this point? I mean, he's not like lights out. I mean, he's not being an ace, but he looks like he could develop into a good starter, you know, and then I look at some of the teams. Uh, I mean, does San Diego finally uh, trade uh, uh, Mutaleta, Mutalela, however you say his name? Uh, they're a number one pitcher. I mean, if you're rebuilding and somebody's going to throw the farm at you, you know, players like that, or, or are we going to see a bunch of veterans? change hands i'll just i'll throw this one out there all right go on so i'm sorry i was gonna say boston you know i'm gonna be interested to see what boston does with cole and sale you know that group yeah uh julio urias era five and a half at home two and a half on the road um younger than copeland making a lot less money than copeland I expect a haul similar to Copeland if he's getting moved. Uh, while maybe not a prototypical ace production at this point in time, um, is not far off. Uh, the type of pitcher to me that gets underlooked in this league near the top of a rotation, mid one two spot. Even when you, if you're really deep, you, you have a fantastic three if you so dared. Uh, a 26-year-old right. lefty with the, the stuff he has, control he has, uh, pitching for a team that, again, sorry to the Chicago Cubs, uh, aren't very good. Uh, we, you see this, you see this with players like Ramon Zaragoza. We mm-hmm. saw uh, role wasn't right in Chicago. Goes to Seattle, he becomes better. We see this with Taylor Sparks hitting in the wrong spot in the lineup. You move him, he becomes better. Uh, so much is about role and fit, and I think Urias can thrive in a new spot. So I think you're right. 
um, to watch for him because I, I think not only will Chicago get a lot in return, I think he's going to be very good if he lands in the right spot. Right. I agree. So, all right. Well, I appreciate your time and you're talking about the MLB pro. It's nice to have you on. I know people have missed you and your takes. So uh, thanks for having me. Always good to be here. Always good to listen to you and John talk. Uh, It's been fantastic addition um, to our weekly schedule to listen to you guys. And I know um, as as we mentioned privately, a, uh, a desire to get more people involved uh, to hear from more voices. So I look forward to seeing what you guys have up your sleeves and uh, come up with next. Sounds good to me. I, like I said, I appreciate your time. I'm going to stop the recording so we can move forward. All right. Thank you, MLB pro family and hope you enjoy it. And like I said, always put comments in there or takes you want or suggestions for talks. That would be awesome. All right. Have a great day.